As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crackling Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It's Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you to anyone who has served in the armed forces in the United States of America. And also thank you to um, all that have and that have passed. It's a, uh, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to celebrate. So do appreciate everyone there and appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, with me, as always, my good friend, Michele Vera. Michele, what's up? Now I know why you asked me to record earlier. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, I am a zero in terms of American history, so <laughs> it's good to know why you are on vacation or whatever. Here's so, the thing. Nice. We, uh, we Americans know so little about world history that it's okay. I had a, okay. <laughs> I had a friend. My first college roommate was from London. And he used to he make told me that. he used to make fun of us so much. Like we had a group of friends, and like we know like nothing about history. We don't like barely anything about American history. And he used to make fun of us so much because like I know more about American history than you do, you idiots. Um, uh, so it's all good. We know nothing. Uh, we do know one thing: the Thunder have the second and twelfth pick in the draft, which is pretty cool. And so, uh, so today's show, just to lay it out, we're going to discuss our favorite pairings of the second and 12th mm-hmm. pick, then run through some scenarios of what happens at two, then what we like at 12, not necessarily what we should or could happen, but are just kind of our favorite pairings. And then the second half of the show, I recorded a live room on the athletic app. So several of you were on it. It's kind of cool because it's it kind of plays as a almost like AM FM radio show where people can call in and ask questions mm-hmm. and I answer them. So 
I will attach that to the tail end of this show. And if you see those pop up, that's what they are. And you can listen to them as long as you have the app, even if you're not a subscriber. So that link will take you in. You can listen to it if you're not an athletic subscriber. But if you are an athletic subscriber, you can ask questions on those. If you if you go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk, you can get it for $1 a month for six months. And you can interact directly with us. So, Which, by the way, this is the best time to get it because it's the finals. There is probably uh, a draft guide coming up. So, yeah. I mean, six... Dollars that is like Sam's guide will be more than enough to compensate yes. your money. So it's, it's just even just even just the the mock draft that he's got out. I mean, it's like five yeah. billion words, and he talks in detail about all of the top thirty guys, and then he you know gives a pick for every other mm-hmm. uh, second round pick. It's good stuff. You should go check it out for sure. Uh, all right. So let's let's just go with the conventional wisdom of today, May 30th, 2022, and that Jabari Smith out of Auburn will be the number one pick in the draft. That's what uh, the Draft Express guys have. Jonathan Gavoni, mm-hmm. we've talked in detail about how much he knows. Sam Vecini's got him number one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, those, to me, are the top two. If you do look at the Ringers draft guide, uh, Kevin O'Connor's got Chet going number one. And there's part of me that like still thinks that Chet is more of a magic guide than Jabari is, but um, maybe they're gonna want to go away from. Yeah, parts of me just think that Chet is the better player, so he should go number one. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's not like uh, the Luka Doncic draft where there was this uh, number one guy in Aiton, and I mean Luka was there, but I don't know. I kind of feel that. Yes, one day I'm drawn to Jabari's shot making. Um, but on the other, I, I really think that Chet can be in like can be so special. Yeah. And I don't know. It's um I'm still struggling. I would not be I will not take that decision lightly because it's like for me in Lucas here was yeah, it's him. Uh, go with him and and that's it this year it's uh, it's a problem because you you can see chet's body failing him you can see jabari's shooting not being like elite would you be extremely surprised if his, if jabari for his career is uh 46 from two and 38 percent from three surprise seven i think i would be this is the quality would of, be? yeah i think the quality of shots that he got at Auburn and the fact that he just just drained threes. I'd be surprised. I think he's going to be really good. So, so you don't put any stock at all in his free throw percentage? At all? I don't know. I just... To me, he just... The eye test to me is just like, this guy's going to just be ridiculous. And he's really... I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad shooter. I'm just saying normal good. Yeah. Not it's, elite. Like it's possible. It's possible. It's within the realm of possibilities. Certainly, if he's on the Thunder, I would say he's going to be elite, just because he's got elite playmakers next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to be fifty forty 
in the league. It's quite hard. And Jeff I think that's going to be 50, 40, 90. So maybe you just take him anyways, because he's going to do that. <laughs> sure. No, but I, I, okay, this is not the topic of the pod, but I, I really think that there is a huge difference between a shooter that can be 42, 43, 44% three, and one that is 38. Yeah. If you have enough volume, you are great anyway, but there is a difference. You're right. You're right. It's going to, it'll depend on his role within the team. If he's Rashard Lewis to this team and mm-hmm. he's shooting 38%, it's not ideal for the number one pick or the number two pick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the name you used. It's perfect. Yeah. It's just perfect. Like, do you, do you like Rashard as a number one pick? I don't think so. I don't. There's and let's be clear, like Rashard Lewis made all star teams and was a very helpful player to that Magic team that made the NBA Finals, but he wasn't. Yeah. The, he wasn't the best player on that team. No. Um, and this is more of the Chris Middleton kind of outcome, and mm-hmm. and Jabari will be probably better def- uh, defensively than Rashard. Um, mm-hmm. But like Chris is a good player, is a very good player, and clearly not the number one guy in, in any of the playoffs team that are fighting for something. Yeah. And probably in many of those, he will not win number two easily. Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fine, but it's 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 a good outcome for the number one pick. I would be okay. But just okay, not happy. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. the 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 thing is, like with the Thunder, though, is that he fits the needs of the Thunder. Like, like they need a defensive big man that can switch out, and they need somebody to make shots. And so you can see why people would definitely want him. Yes. Um, yes, I do. Yeah, you like Chris see. fits Milwaukee to a T. Yeah, he's the perfect, proven to be the perfect running mate for Giannis because they've won an yeah. NBA title. And that's the yeah. ultimate and goal. And when he wasn't there, not the same. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No doubt. Uh, so let's assume that he's gone. I think it's simple to predict Chet Holmgren going to the Thunder at two. I just mm-hmm. don't think you overthink it. I think that's the guy you take. Uh, <laughs> the TMZ, TMZ is hilarious because they just put out these videos of people just like rushing up to whoever it is, celebrity X, and they just ask him questions. And this girl was like, Hey, Chet Holmgren, you know, it's just, it was just really funny. And she's like, do you want to be the number one pick? Do you want to be a magic? And he's like, well, I just want to, I just want to go to the team that fits me best. And is going to, and it's just, is which is not, Yes. Yeah, it's not yes. It's it's not necessarily no, but it feels like no. No. Uh it does it does feel like the Thunder are the match for him. And yeah. yeah. if you don't want to say anything um definitive, you can say, Of course I want to be the number one pick. Yeah, exactly. That is more assertive as an answer than the one that Chet gave. Because yes. I mean you don't want to dog on any of the franchises that are after Orlando, but you can say I definitely want to be number one. Yeah. Uh, like many players in the past said that. Oh, yeah. And and I mean, there is no, it's not that if you are OKC, there is zero chances that you can trade up and get Chet at number one. Mm-hmm. 
But a guy like him could have said, hey, yes, I want to be the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> and he was, um, yeah, I want to be on a team that, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, okay, that's a no to me. That's yeah. actually a no to me. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I think you'd be very it excited is. to be on the Thunder. So if they do take him number two, mm-hmm. who do you like at 12 for him? I mean, there's going to be the interesting thing about this draft is that there's options of all sorts, except for a guard, like a point guard, uh, which the Thunder don't necessarily need anyways, um, which is great because there's been drafts mm-hmm. where you get to like 11, 12, 13, and it's like, oh, this is the point guard range. And yeah. you don't want to, the Thunder don't want to, don't want that. Yeah, the, the, the point guard range for this draft is more between 16 and 22. Yeah. With Jaden Hardy, Ty Ty Washington, and Kennedy Chandler, yeah, yeah, which is extremely short. But um, yes. who knows? Yes. Um, who's the player, Paul, that I have available? Let's so, rule out some guys that are surely going to be picked by then. Yeah, so let's take a look at the ESPN mock draft and see who's mm-hmm. in this range. Let's say like we'll say eight to like thirteen. I yes. Yes. In any way, actually. And if Matherin is seven, let's put seven in. <laughs> in it. Yeah. Actually, I don't know because this is this was right after he has Ben Matherin going eleven. Let's no, go it's away not. From that. It's not the right one. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Um, yeah. Let's say it's like Sohan. I have best available. Sohan, so number- Durin, Johnny Davis, Jang. Um, yeah. Those those kind of guys, I think you can include like Malachi Branham, and I think AJ Griffin could slide there. Yeah, I think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, in like the mock draft that was right after the lottery, it's seven Jalen Duran, eight AJ Griffin to the Pelicans, nine Dyson Daniels to the Spurs, ten Johnny Davis to the Wizards, eleven Ben Matherin to the Knicks, and he's got Usman Jang at twelve to the Thunder. And then yeah. the guys that are after Mark Williams, uh, Branham, Abaji, Ty Ty, Eason, Sohan at 18. Um, yeah, no, I have, uh, there is a recent version, which I think fits our discussion better, which is the best available, who has Dyson Daniel at six, Keegan Murray at five, yeah. Shaden Sharp at seven. I, yeah, yeah. I think that this is actually a bit better. I don't think that Daniels will be there. Um uh, and then they have eight AJ Griffin, nine Matherin, ten Duran, uh, eleven Davis, twelve Jeng, uh, thirteen Branham, Mark Williams, Sohan, Agbaji, and Tai Tai. Mm-hmm. So I think that if we take from AJ Griffin to Tai Tai, I think we have uh, a good crop of player. Not that we, neither of us will probably pick Tai Tai. So, no. uh, but I think that uh, Abaji has at least a chance to be discussed uh it's not my pick um but if i have chet holmgren um i i'm almost feel more convinced that aj griffin is the is the choice Mm -hmm. at 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, i really love the shooting um i know that probably matherin is the safest pick but i don't want i just want to 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 just try to get the best player available period the best 
guy. And yeah. I think that AJ has and will be uh, the best shooter among the players that are in the draft, maybe even better than Jabari Smith. Yeah. Uh, it's not a stretch to say that. Um, I think that he has a great body strength. Um, he's not a good defender by any means. Uh, Chet helps with that, but also Jabari helps with that. I sure. I don't think that changes the equation a bit. I think that Chet helps you because one thing that AJ struggled a little bit uh, doing was containing penetration. And if you drop Chet, you have another weapon mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, AJ is the choice. Again, I really love the shooting. I really think that I would bet money on AJ Griffin being more than a 40% uh, three-point shooter. Um, questions are questions for him are elsewhere, not on the shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. Um, I have been in and out on the AJ Griffin de debate here, and I think I'm back in just because. And I talk about this later. You, if you're listening to the podcast, I talk about this later. It's a question from somebody on like how to identify somebody in the draft um, that is going to you know exceed their draft where they were taken in the draft. It happens every single year, mm -hmm. and it happens in about this range where there is yes. somebody in this range that has some kind of deficiency, whatever it is. Um, this is with the range where Donovan Mitchell went. Um, there's, it always happens like around like between like 11 and 15. There are mm -hmm. just, there's a few players that you look at and you're like, you know what? They aren't, they have a significant hole in their game or there's something injury related or there's something you don't like about them. Like 12 through 14 in 2019 was Luke Kennard, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo. You look at no. 8, 9, 10 in that same draft, just a few picks before, Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith, Zach Collins. I mean, that's tough. That's the 2017 draft. You look at 2018, another great example, 10, 11, 12, Mikhail Bridges, Shea, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Miles Bridges. You look at 6, 7, 8, 9, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, Colin Sexton, to Kevin Knox. Oh boy, that's rough. Um, 2019. I mean, it just happens every year. It's hilarious. And in 20 in 2018, you also had Tyler Hero. Um, I think after um, Shea, two picks after Hero Shea. Hero in 19. 19? Oh yeah, but 13 was a, such a bad pick. Um, oh, so bad, so bad. It was yeah. Jerome Robinson. Yeah. Yes, Jerome Robinson. Yeah, that was horrendous. Uh, 19. Was you have. Jarrett Culver, six. Kobe White, seven. Jackson Hayes, eight. Then you go to 11, 12, 13. Cam Johnson, PJ Washington, Tyler Hero. I mean, it's it's almost like clockwork where you look yeah. at the range of 2020. Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Denny Avdia. Yikes. 11, 12 is Devin Vassell, Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, which is better. Yeah, I think that between 10 and 15 like a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and we were high on guys that went eight or seven, or I remember us being high on Nilkina being like, hey, yeah. you'll be a great defender, never developing to one, or a guy that you can play on offense. Mm -hmm. So th there is a lot there. And but it's not that those players that you mentioned have 
a lot in common. Take the uh, the bio draft. I mean, he and Mitchell. What is this? What are the similarities? Nothing. Um, like literally nothing. Or take Shay. Take Miles Bridges or Mikael Bridges. Yeah. Like an old guy, then a guy that is not super young, and another one that is not even a a rookie in college, mm-hmm. um, which is not a term. Uh, a freshman. Sorry. Yeah. So it's it's. It's not that there is a type of player that you can say, hey, if you have a guy that has A, B, and C around that that pick, then you can be like sure enough that he will be a great player. Because all of the players that are there, like Johnny Davis, he may be surrounded by better players and mm-hmm. just be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the Big Ten player of the year. AJ Griffin, hey. Just give him time and give him like a lot of shots, and he will be incredible. Um, take uh, Matherin. Matherin is already a good shooter. He can be better. And if you add the free throw rate that he has, wow, you can have a three-level score. So there is a lot to like in any of any of these players. And these three, to me, are the one that I like the most. Uh, and then you get into the Sohan discussion, which yeah. to me is. Um, if I have Jabari and I'm I'm comfortable, yeah. then probably yeah, that pairing would be so scary yeah. on defense. Oh, but you yeah. are Monster. putting so much on the others. Yeah, it's a lot you of have pressure Dort. on the others. Yeah, yeah, and it's to me it's such a huge risk because you okay you have Trey Man and probably this gives you a little bit more room to play. Trey man in more functional lineups because you have a lot of defenders. But it's still, hey, it's it's hard to see him being on the court uh, with the best players if you want to put Dort there. Mm-hmm. If, if you have the feeling, though, that Dort may not be in your closing unit because you have so much difference with Sohan and the big man, that you can think about putting Trey there? then I'm a little bit more interesting because if you look at the Warriors, like they don't have four shooters. They have three, mm-hmm. maybe three and a half in some lineups. And they make it work anyway mm-hmm. because they have five players that can play defense with Steph being the probably the least of the defenders and it's not bad. Yeah, he's gotten better. Yeah. It's gotten better, but it, but it's not like a good defender by any means. Like right. he's okay. Mm-hmm. He knows where to be, mm-hmm. and he works hard. It's not that Trayman can get there. I remember Steph being told, being called like uh, I don't know, uh, the Pike tele- I don't know the Pike stuff. Uh, the one that you Pike pass. <laughs> it's just Pike pass. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it was like that early in his career. It was just a non-defender. Mm-hmm. The the entire strategy of the Cavs was, hey, let's. Take Steph and put it in a pick and roll. Yeah. It was not a long time ago. It was six years ago. Yeah. Yep. Then you probably do it anyway, but it's not as effective as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, in this range, the guys that I like the most that I, and I don't, not all these, not all these guys are going to make it to 12 or even be in that mm-hmm. range, but I love Ben Matherin. I, I'm, back on AJ Griffin and I think Johnny Davis would be the other guy in this range yeah. where these are guys that are six five and above 
They're going to mm-hmm. play on the wing. They all have upside. And I feel like I feel like Johnny Davis is slipping on draft boards, which I'm I guess I get it because the the shooting wasn't there toward the end of the season, but he had that ankle injury. And I think mm-hmm. people I don't know if people are forgetting about that or I don't know. But the guy can get buckets, he can defend, he's going to be com- super competitive. And that's the thing with some of these guys where I just don't want to take a non-competitive guy. And I think that that's a really important thing that I think the Thunder are trying to identify uh, within all of this is, is like, I don't, I just don't know about Usman Jang's personality. Maybe he is like uber competitive and he's going to end up being one of the guys. But I, I look at the profiles of the guys that have slipped and like Johnny Davis, like almost fits it to a T if he's there, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, Abaji honestly fits the profile of a guy who falls because he can only do a couple things. Yeah. And that's why he's fallen. It's his age and he only does a couple things. Well, guys like that have fallen are have been good. I mean, I think I think about Cameron Johnson. I think yeah. I think about Mikhail Bridges and he doesn't have like the length that a bridge that Bridges has, but like I don't know. Like those guys are falling for a reason, but also have like easily identifiable NBA talent. You know, compared to like yeah. Usman Jang or Jalen Duran or even Dyson Daniels to a degree. Like all those guys have tremendous talent and potential. <clears throat> but these other guys like Johnny Davis and Abaji and even Milo Kai Branham. All those dudes are going to shoot it at the NBA level. Like, I feel pretty convinced of that. And yeah. the guys that I mentioned before, I think it's a it's a huge question whether or not yes, they're going to shoot it. In and terms so, of shooting, it is. In terms of, I would not put Dyson Daniels in the same bucket of... I tend to uh, agree. Jamie I tend to agree because we... Brand. Yeah, I tend to agree because we got to see Daniels play against grown men in the G League. And he did quite well. Yeah, and he he brings three things that I think are extremely translatable to the league, which mm-hmm. is passing, defense, uh, and a killer floater. He's got which a killer is, floater. That's true. Which is extremely important because yeah. that allows you to be at least dangerous in pick and roll situations. Now, um, I think that one one of the things that I really like about Johnny Davis is the fact that he will probably play in any lineup for KC and being a plus defender. Uh, yeah. with size which is something like if you can get a player that is a bucket getter who likes to play defense and takes pride in it and is also able to move the ball maybe not being the primary ball handler that is a huge value in the league yeah. huge value even if it's not like a if, if even if it's only a 35 36 percent three-point shooter which is probably what it will be yeah um you can still attack you can still attack which i love about him yes. and i love his competitive nature like i just watching yeah. him at Wisconsin, you're just like, this dude is amazing. I mean, he's the player of the year at Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I just I just have a hard time believing he's going to fail at the NBA level. Yeah. Remember, though, that we had the same discussions about Jalen Suggs. The fact that, yeah, we don't believe, we don't think that he is going to be uh, a problem for him shooting-wise or being a yeah. leader or True. being... We missed there. Uh, did, you, did you see the report that came out about Suggs? It wasn't a report. It was a... No. It was a tweet that I saw about how poorly he performed in workouts. Yeah, that that I think that we discussed it. 
uh, we even discussed it uh, in the past. Yes. There was uh, another one that came out recently where they talked about how he was performing so badly and was so frustrated that he had to leave and then came back the next day and performed just as badly. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's you're like wondering why he slipped a little bit. Um, but you know. we, we have no idea if this is Johnny Davis' story. Because yeah, from everything we see, when a player slides in workouts, it's not the best. Like Vassell is a player that yeah. surely um, probably had some issue in terms of workouts. He was mm-hmm. mocked as initially as seven, six, seven, and ended up being 11th. Yeah. And he went into the perfect situation to, mm-hmm. for himself. Yep. And he's still not, to me, top seven worthy in any draft. Mm-hmm. So... I think that when a player is sliding too much, there is something that we should at least infer and saying, hey, either is a medical, like um, why everything is slipping. OG. Um, OG, yes, I don't know. Either is medical, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, That is another example. Mm -hmm. Or it's because like the workouts are not going anywhere. like Culver is another example. He was taught as a top three pick. And mm-hmm. then after workouts, it's not so much. Yeah. And like there were rumors that he had one of the most horrible workouts ever mm-hmm. in terms of shooting, like breaking every tree that he, that he took. And if this is the Johnny Davis story, then it's hard. Uh, so like we have to remember ourselves that the college shooting, uh, like making a, a mid-range pull-up is not equivalent on being like a great shooter in the NBA, even a passable shooter in the NBA. That We should not make that assessment when we evaluate players. We need to get other tells, like if the free throw percentage is good enough. And by good enough, I mean 80 or above, which is why I post so many time on Jabari, because that is mm-hmm. 80%, barely. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when people had questions about Tyler here and he had like 92% from the free throw line. I said, no, that, that, that cannot be a worry because that is like all your shooters can average 85 and above. Yeah. And so that's why I'm a little bit scared about Johnny Davis. And I have no doubt. Except that 79%. Like, he's not terrible. Yeah, I know. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Sucks was more in the 73, 74 range. Yeah. So I just I just wanted to put out there that when a player slides and it's workout season, we should read a little bit on that. Again, not not everything because I mean there are examples on both sides. Like it can go well or it can go bad. But from our discussion, uh, I think that the, the conclusions that that we can draw are we both don't like the idea of taking Jalen Durant. That is no. even not an option or for Mark us. Williams. Uh, or Mark Williams, yes, yeah. it's too early. Again, I I like Mark Williams. I think that he can be good for a team, but not yeah. there. Yeah, 24, yeah. 22, yes, let's give it a shot. And yeah. then we are scared to death about Usman Jang because, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared profile. to pull the on Jang. <laughs> yeah, because here's the other thing about Jang it's like they've got Poku, right? And like a tall yeah. wing that can pass. Yep, we got one of those projects already. Yeah. Can you can you really afford to take Jang and have Poku on your team at the same time and feel like you're going to develop both of them well? I think it's a really it's an interesting question 
um, to ask yourself. To me, a lot of people talk about like Jaden Ivey in the three-guard lineup. That's where I'm like, why don't you just take Chet and draft Johnny Davis and not have to give up anything or have to trade back? And you can have a three-guard lineup with those guys. And if, you're, if your evaluation of Chet and Ivy is not different, then you go... I I don't see having Ivy in the same tier as of Chet because of the complete lack of left hand. Yeah. Which is something that... But on the other end, you can, you can point to Shea and say, hey, OKC fixed the exact same problem. Yeah, it's true. On a player. It's true. And also went, Shea fixed it. Great. Like OKC fixed it and Shea was willing to do it. And maybe Jaden's got the same same stuff. Um going back to the free throw stuff, Abaji's best free throw percentage was this season at 74%. He is he was 68% his sophomore year, mm-hmm. 67% his juniors no, 67% his sophomore year, 68% his junior year. Freshman year, 69%, the perfect percentage. Yeah, that's not a natural shot. That is a shot that he built, and he's still yeah, building. But still it's building. building in the, it's trending in the right direction. That is, is a very good tale. Yeah. Um, to which degree it will translate, I think that on open shots, he will be good enough. Mm-hmm. But there are clear signs that he's not a feel kind of shooter, so he will not be good when you press him, when you move him. Like, he's... Um, Hey, if I'm open, it's a Bruce Bowen kind of shooter. Like sure. if I'm in the corner, you pass me the ball, I will be very good. Mm-hmm. And maybe Bruce Bowen is not the right example, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. There, to me, I'm I'm like fully on board with like taking a wing or a guy like give me a six five wing that can has shooting or creation potential. Those are the guys that I want. Like that's the kind of guy Mm -hmm. I want at 12 to pair with Chet or Jabari. Uh, That's to me, that's the guy. Those are the guys they should take a swing on. If you're at 12, there's going to be bigs available. I like Sohan with also think there's a chance that he's gone before they, before they get to 12, that Sohan could be picked in like the nine, to 12 or 9 to 11 range. I think that that's very possible. Um, there's a lot to dig through with this 12th pick. I think it's going to be very interesting. And I think, honestly, A.J. Griffin is like the dream scenario when it comes to this draft. Um, so that's, to me, that's still, that's the best. Um, that's the best possible outcome there. Um I think I went out for a minute. Did I? Yeah. yeah. I haven't catch anything of the thing that you said, but um, <laughs> hey, there's another um, incentive for you to go back and listen to pod. There you go. Because it will be recorded and you will hear this if you're not live. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else, Michele, that you need to get off your chest before we before we go here? Very quickly. If Sohan is the pick, I would not be disappointed. Because I think that if the system is all the team is uh confident that he will be the guy there um he has so much potential defensively that you can really see the team working and there are many examples of the teams that we, that are in the finals there is place for a 610 guy who can move his feet like a dancer and and play with fire 
that is what Sohan is. Uh, I don't buy the shooting at all. <laughs> but um, hey, you can you can say hey if he because with Dort if it works to perfection, you still have a player that is far from being elite. Yeah. If you have a six ten guy who can play awesome defense, which I'm kind of sold on. Yeah. Uh, if you have like Herb Jones yeah. with a shot, that is a player that everyone wants. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. I and you have like if you have him and Chet, I mean Or Jabari. Or you Jabari. have a front court that is extremely versatile and will be a lockdown front court. Yes. Which is useful. They're gonna block everything. They're gonna they're gonna play a physical, physical brand of defense. Yeah, it's which like, is which is exactly it bonds well with the physicality that Presti requires. Then you have your starter in Kenrich Williams. You have Dort of the bench. There yeah. you go. So that you have my Dort hate for the yes. for the day. <laughs> There's good options there, but still, I would rather go with more shooting. I think Chet's going to provide shooting. I think that that's going to yeah. be there. And then if you can add like two shooters to this team, like I think you can start cooking with something. So, uh, yeah. all right. On the other side of this break, if you're listening on the podcast, you are going to hear an athletic live room that I did earlier today. Uh, if you want to participate in one of those, just keep a lookout on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht for that. Uh, hope you guys are doing great. Happy Memorial Day. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you have questions that you would like to ask about the Thunder, the draft, uh, honestly, anything that you would like to uh, talk about, I would love to chat with you guys this morning, run this room for 
maybe half an hour or so. And yeah, so the we're less than a month away from the NBA draft. And the Thunder have quite an interesting uh, palette of players to choose from here. I don't think that anything is solidified much at all. We still kind of have the expectation that Jabari Smith goes number one to the Magic. I maybe 50% by that. Uh, I don't, you know, the, the, the main people that cover the draft seem to have a good pulse on that situation and do believe it will be Jabari Smith. But at this point, who knows? I mean, if you're the Magic, your job right now is to try to push the Thunder in a direction to, to give you assets to get the guy that they want. So I I don't know if that's completely true or not. Uh, Chet Holmgren still feels more like a Magic player to me than Jabari Smith does. Um, but who knows? If you have a question, I'd love to be able to answer it. You can ask to come on stage. I'll let you up here and you can ask away. So the Thunder have picks at 2, 12, 30, and 34. It's very exciting. I think there's going to be players available for all four of those picks that are going to be useful. And I don't know that they'll make all four selections just because of the roster crunch and you, know, you may want to package a couple of those to move up anyways, but giving yourself an option really all over the board now is ideal for a rebuilding team because you can acquire all types of players, uh, especially looking at like the 30 and 34 picks where they have kind of, you know, last year they looked for role players at that spot. Um, in the second round there, they got Wiggins and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who are both role playing type of guys and, you know, positions of need for every NBA team wing, a wing and then a versatile big. And so you just wonder if they're going to continue to kind of go in that direction where they don't take guys that fit just one slot, which I think to me would be wise, because I think that you can get those guys that are less versatile on the trade market a little bit easier than you could a two-way wing. And not that, you know, I don't know if Wiggins is going to work out. I don't know how she'll play this year, honestly. When you think about the roster crunch, I think that's a, that's an interesting discussion too, as to whether, you know, some of these guys that played a lot last year will, will get the run this year. And some of that will just be determined by the progress they make in the off season. Uh, we we talk a lot about the draft, but there's some going to be some stuff going on with the team internally that is going to be significant as well like in terms of development for these guys. A lot of the second year guys and third year guys, it's going to be quite significant of a summer for the Thunder all the way around. So should be a pretty exciting start of the season. Uh, I'm going to let Jason S. onto the stage. What's up, Jason? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I just got a quick question. Um, how do you think about like the the guys like Baisley, Dort, even like Poku? Where where do you see them sort of in the Thunder future plans? Yeah, it's a good question. 
Dort, I think, is a little bit easier to think about just because he's somebody that I don't think that you have questions on whether he can contribute to a playoff team. So the question with Dort is going to be his contract because he can they can extend him this summer. They can decline his option and extend him this summer or they can pick up his option and let him become an unrestricted free agent next summer, which I think is the most likely option for him. Just because I think the Thunder want to stay flexible. So he, his worth to the Thunder and his situation with the Thunder is more determined by his contract than it is by the type of player he is, in my opinion, because he's a great defender. I'm, you know, the team loves him. Mark loves him. They want to have him out on the court. And, but like, what does his agent want? And what does he want? he wants to stay with the Thunder, I think that they can come to a, a pretty reasonable contract and do that next summer. Uh, if he wants a bigger role or he wants, you know, the whole bag and wants all the money and wants to push for that, there may be a team that give it to him. So that that one will be determined by his contract. Baisley has got to, to come on more on the offensive end. Uh, he This next season will be a big one for him. Because if the Thunder do indeed draft a big at the top, like the minutes that were just given to guys are going to start going away. And, I mean, there's a situation where they draft Chet at two, and then, I don't know, if they if they draft, I don't think they would draft a Jalen Dern or a Mark Williams, but that's possible. Or if they draft Sohan or somebody like that, or Eason, I don't, I don't think they would, but maybe they would. If they drafted one of those guys, now you got to go earn your minutes. And Baisley was given a lot, a lot of minutes last year. And he played well defensively at times, and that's great. However, the, the offensive stuff was just so hot and cold, and the role was kind of all over the place because one night he'd be wanting to create off the dribble, and the next night he would be – in the perfect role where he's just taking spot up threes and attacking closeouts and playing in transition, which is what he needs to be all the time. And so he's going to have to go into next season, knowing exactly what he wants to do on both ends and execute it very well. If he wants to stay as a part of the team, um, Poku is similar, honestly, to Baisley where he's got to get things figured out. I mean, my number one thing for Poku is like, don't, don't need the G League this year, Poku. <laughs> That's the number one thing for Poku this year, is that he's got to not need the G League. Uh, he also is a little different than Baisley because he does play on the wing, and I think that he will probably end up being a wing more than he is a four. So he's got that going for him, where the Thunder just don't really have very many wings. And so the, he's got that going. He also is younger and has a longer runway for himself. So I would say that he's still in like this developmental bucket, whereas like Dort and Baisley, it's like decision time is coming up. So that's kind of my, my feelings on, on those. Well, what do you think? What do you think Dort gets in the open market? It's a great question. A lot of times I feel like we overinflate how much some of these guys will get. I would say but around 15 million per year. So like maybe like a three year, $45 million deal, I think is reasonable or a four year 60 with like a team option on the last year of his deal is pretty reasonable. He may, it may go 
higher than that. Uh, but I think that's about what a guy like him would get who struggles with his shot at times and is struggles to finish the rim still. So that's, that would be, that's my assessment on it, but it could end up being a little bit more depending how he plays this year. But, you know, they had a chance to lock him up in March for about 12 per my guess, I, if I were the Thunder, like I would do that in a heartbeat. And if I were Dort, there's no way I would touch that deal, which is, I don't have any knowledge of how that those discussions went, but my guess is that's about how it went with them. So, but yeah, there's still a lot of really interesting things to happen within the team outside of the draft. So lots of stuff to keep an eye on. Um, let's see. Paul A. What do you think the fourth pick is worth without giving up the second pick? And who would you acquire if we got the fourth pick? I think, I mean, so the Kings got really lucky. They moved from seven to four. I just have a hard time believing that they would give up that pick without trying to trade up or get something really significant in value back. And I don't think it's picks. I don't think that they care about picks, like future picks there, which the Thunder could offer in spades. But I, I don't really see a match between the Thunder and the Kings to get that pick without them trading back. Trading back, absolutely. They can make that happen. And that would mean the Thunder probably really like Jaden Ivey and would want to make that deal. However, trying to get to that spot, you need somebody that can help them now. And Dort is not the answer to that question. And they've got Davion Mitchell, who's just a smaller, you know, more point guardy Dort. So you can't, I just don't see a match there with the Kings. They, they need somebody that can be a significant upgrade for them at that spot. Uh, and the Thunder don't really have that kind of player to give. You know, they've got Shea and they've got Giddy, but you're not giving up either one of those guys to get to four. You know, if you give up Giddy, like, sure, you can get four. And there could probably be an argument made that you give up Giddy and get Jaden Ivey and Chet or Jabari and pair those guys with Shea, and you may be better off. You know, there's a there's probably an argument to be made there. I don't think I would do that. You know, we've seen Giddy play. He is, he's gotten good size. He's got incredible feel for the game. I think I'd rather just keep him and, and, you know, move forward. I haven't played a game yet. I mean, it's a, you'd be risking quite a bit to do that, even though there's a lot of people that really like Jaden Ivey. You know, there's been guys that haven't worked out, you know, in this top five range. I mean, there's odds are, you know, we're talking about the top five or six players. There's going to be a couple that just aren't very good. It happens every year. And the hype is there with them every year. So I, to me, I wouldn't take the risk of, you know, it, it would feel really great on draft night coming away with the number two pick and the number four pick and whatnot. But, you know, it's, it's not the, this isn't the best draft. You know, this isn't last year. But still, it takes a, it takes a lot to to pry a top five pick from a team. Um, yeah, I, I just don't I don't see a likely scenario where the Thunder come away with two and four where it doesn't involve like Josh or something else, because the Kings need 
they need something to push them into the play in now. You know, if they were to trade that pick for a player, it, it's a it's a move to to get into the play in or to the playoffs now. You know, they're at a they're at a 16 year drought of getting into the playoffs. It's it's not good. And when you miss the playoffs that many years in a row, there there's a tremendous amount of pressure on the general manager, no matter how long they've been there, to get back to get this team there to be the guy that gets in there. And Monty McNair is no exception to that. And he's got, I think he's, he's entering in the last year of his deal. Um, so it's pretty, pretty crazy to think about all they've been through as a franchise. So if I'm them, I just make the pick. I take Jaden Ivey. I try to figure it out with, with who you've got. Uh, or I'm trying to get somebody significant for that fourth pick. Um, so, all right. If you would like to ask a question, you can ask, you can, uh, ask to be on stage. I'd love to have you there, or you can leave questions in the chat. If not, I will just continue to ramble on for a little bit, but I would love to be able to interact with you guys, uh, if possible. So again, just ask on stage and we can answer any question that you might have. Uh, Caesar P. Hey man, I was just wondering what you thought uh Basilije Michich uh yeah. trade value is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I I think that that's going to be a really interesting wrinkle to the Thunder offseason. I don't think he's got sig- I don't think he's got like big time value, but I do think that you can think of him as a like mid first round pick. Uh, if he were in this draft, obviously he would be just like crazy old. It'd be just weird if he was in this draft, but stay with me. If he was, he had, probably has the same value as like uh, a Baji or Malachi Branham or somebody like that. So I would be asking like a lottery protected future pick if I were the Thunder. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, I know that it's like, if it would feel better to have a pick in this draft. And I know McKellie's thrown the idea of the 24th pick to the Bucks for him, which I think is like that's an extremely fair deal because if you're the Bucks, you don't you don't what are you doing with like Walker Kessler or EJ Liddell or Bochamp or Blake Wesley? Like what are you doing with those guys? Those guys aren't going to play for you. You're trying to win a championship next year. Where with Mitchich, he helps you right away. And he's going to shoot it, and he's going to be able to handle some. Like he, he's a great fit for those teams. I mean, you look at really any of those teams in the 20s, and you can find lots of matches. You know, I think the Nuggets could use another guard. I think the Nets, obviously, if they decide to keep the pick, which they can defer it over to the Sixers and get next year's pick, uh, but they could get this year's pick. Like, man, I, if I were them, I'd rather have Mitchich. Than, than somebody in that range. Um, even the Warriors at 28, like that doesn't feel as good. <laughs> but if you're the Thunder and you get a first-round pick and it just gives you a little bit more ammo to try to move up, now you have 30, 34, and 28. Well, that could maybe get you to 21 where the Nuggets are you know, in, in need of depth and they would rather have more swings at it. And the Thunder might like to take a swing at Jaden Hardy or Tate Washington or whoever's there. So, um, yeah, I, I think that he's, 
somebody that can help right away. Obviously, he's 28 years old, Euroleague MVP, and I just don't see a way that he fits on this current Thunder team. So if he really does want to come over, and he's flirted with the NBA for years, so number one thing with Mitchich is like don't don't bank on anything because he could sign a deal with a team tomorrow and you shouldn't be surprised. So don't don't bank anything on it. I have heard from people that cover the league over there that know Mitch's situation pretty well that think he's coming. Um, but I remain skeptical until he actually signs on the yeah, I would guess that you could get probably a protected future. I would want a future first from a team that's volatile. Like if you could get a future Nets pick or something like that, that's that's what I would want. Uh, just because I just don't think you necessarily need more picks in this current draft. So uh, John G, let's go to John. John. Hey, Andrew, can you hear me? I got you. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. So um, looking at some of the standout players that have fallen to the later part of the lottery in recent years, um, Miles Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Is there some common thread that we can identify as to why they fell, whether it was, you know, maybe less... Um, minutes in college, um, so, you know, they had more to show out um, when brought into the league. Is it, um, you know, injury concerns or or a kind of tweener fit issue? Is there anything there that can maybe um, allow us to uh, identify who would be that standout guy in that range this year? Yeah, it's a really good question because it's going to happen again. <laughs> undoubtedly is going to happen again where, and I think a lot of it is teams that are in that like five to eight range really want to swing for the fences and hope to connect on a player that's got more upside. And I think that's one of the common threads is that a lot of the guys that go in that like nine, 10, 11, 12 range have perceived less upside than others, but that ends up just not being the case. Uh, you look back at past drafts and that like six, seven, eight, nine range, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like 2020 is like Killian Hayes goes in, goes seven. And he had just like a lot of perceived upside. Denny Abdia had a lot of perceived upside. Um, 2019, like Kobe White, Jackson Hayes is like a really good example of that too, where it's like, whoa, have you seen what this guy kid, this kid can do? athletically like nobody else can do it same cam reddish like tons of perceived upside and then like you look at guys that went after them like cameron johnson not a lot of perceived upside pj washington less perceived upside tyler hero even where it's like there's like significant holes in their game but they do some really good stuff so so like translate that over to the draft this year i like AJ Griffin and Jeremy Sohan just like scream to me, like those kind of guys where it's like everybody hates Sohan because he can't shoot. At least like that's how Thunder fans feel. Um, AJ Griffin has the, the knee stuff that he's gone through with injuries in high school. And he's got the wide stance and he's got the, the fact that he just didn't play very good defense at Duke. 
those to me are guys that are going to fall that could have that that upside there where you look at like shade and sharp tons of perceived upside dyson daniels tons of perceived upside benedict matherin same jalen duran the same um so to me like if you're picking from like that bucket of who's gonna fall but could end up being very good like to me there's three guys that make a ton of sense as those players where we look back and we're like, how did that, like, why did that happen? Or what are they, what are we doing here? Like there's like the Shea or Mikhail or those guys. I do think it's AJ Griffin. I think it's Jeremy Sohan. And I think it's Johnny Davis. I think those three don't have the upside that some people think these other guys do. And I think they will be, I think one of those three will be available or at the 12th pick. And to me, I would take any one of them. I know people are scared of the shooting with Sohan. I don't know, like the the defense, and he's still 19 years old. Like I, I'm not gonna write him off. Johnny Davis, I, I mean, if he's there at 12, you just to me, you just have to take him. And then with AJ Griffin, the same thing. So it's it, it's having like less perceived upside a lot of times, and like a significant hole in your game that people are scared of. Like with Hero. Like, it's pretty obvious, like, the defense stuff. And he still has got that problem. But, like, the scoring upside was there. It was big time. Um, so, yeah. I mean, even, like, an Usman Jang is one of those, like, maybe he gets taken a little bit higher just because he does have a lot of perceived upside because of the size and the ball handling and passing stuff. Even Malachi Branham, same thing. Um, Abaji is a guy that I think could, that will be taken later that people might be hitting themselves about because he can defend on ball real well and he can really shoot the basketball. And I think that we overlook him because of his age. Um, there's a lot of reasons that we overlook him, but yeah, no, I think it's a good question. And I may have picked all the wrong guys. I may have picked all the guys that are going to bust. I don't know. <laughs> But to me, like if we're trying to like match last this year's draft to past drafts, those guys are the ones that make the most sense who are kind of slipping on draft boards where it's like, uh, like let's let's make sure we give another look to these guys. So uh, yeah, thank, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just said uh, wanted to say, I mean, great answer, and 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 I I think you distilled it down to the right group actually. Um, I'm curious if if Malachi would would be in there just because of the defensive issues. Um, yeah. Could and be. less uh, less of a perceived upside guy, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think that was a just a really strong analysis on your part. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks, John. Have a great day. Let's go to Tyler D. What's up, Tyler? Uh, hey, Andrew. How's your morning? Uh, it's great. Had some pancakes with the kids. Had the coffee oh, going. Amazing. It's been, it's been a beautiful day so far. How about you? Oh, I'm making some toast right now. Nice. Um, okay, so um, kind of off of your last answer a little bit, I noticed a lot of those are wings and forwards. And um, I know Mark Williams might not make the most sense, uh, mm-hmm. especially if we take Chet. But I would be curious because I, I just can't get over his uh, his combine numbers, how yeah. tall he is. He's legit 7'2". He's got a nine foot nine inch standing reach. It's just, I don't know, unreal. So how do you think that will affect his, um, you know, where he's taken in the draft? Do you think he'll be there at 12? And do you think he could play with Chet? 
I, th I think there's a good chance he is there at 12. I'm trying to – you kind of walk through the teams <clears throat> that could take him. You know, I think that seven is probably too high. Then you get to the Pelicans. Well, they don't really have a need for a big. The Spurs, I mean, I like Yacopertl a lot, but maybe they like Mark Williams better. You could see that situation happening, but there's going to be a lot of guys on the board still there. So maybe 10 is where you start thinking about him, even 11. I've seen people have mock him at 11 to the Knicks. Um, I think there is a chance that he's there. I don't think he falls past the Hornets. I don't love the idea of taking a traditional big in the draft, just sure. period. Sure. Um, but Mark Williams has got he's got some significant upside with he's he's just built. He's giant, the long arms, the rim protection. He's got good touch. I think he's going to be able to shoot it from the outside. There there is a lot to like, uh, and I don't want to ignore that. And could he play with Chet? Sure, it's not a great match, and eventually Chet is just going to be a center full-time, and that may be from day one, honestly. You know, I think that sometimes guys are ready faster than we think. Uh, I remember Steven Adams. Like, people didn't think he was ready to play at all. Like, they didn't right. think he play, right. could play at all, <laughs> I know, from what we saw at Pitt. Like, he didn't even start at Pitt. Like, he didn't play that much at Pitt. Like, how is he going to play in the NBA? And then he comes in, and he's, like, pretty good. So I wouldn't draft a big a center, especially if they get Chet. Now, if if you get Jabari, like that's a really interesting defensive mix there because Jabari's a four, right. um, and so you could you could have like the future like four and five right there, uh, and have like all of the length. And Mark is still like pretty athletic; like he's not a dinosaur, so. Yeah, I think it, it's situational with the Thunder, and at the end of the day, I'd be surprised if he's there, but you can't deny the talent, and you can't teach the size. So, yeah, I think I think it's not something to completely ignore um, as a Thunder fan or any with any team in that range. Like he's got there's a reason why he's rising up these draft boards. It's because he's he's a good player. Right. Okay. Well, I'll stay on the bandwagon. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate <laughs> it, right. man. Thanks. All right. That'll be it for me today. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for asking questions and for joining me on this Memorial Day. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys again soon.